And we are back with another edition of the Daily Dots. And uh, I am joined by the Brain Trust himself, Mr. Chase Taylor. And um, let's break it down. Another, eh, not a lot going on today, Chase, but give us a rundown of where we finished on the indexes. Yeah, S&P closed down 0.38. The Q's really flat, 0.05 down. Uh, small caps actually up 0.66. Magnificent Seven was down about half a percent. Um, things I've been trying to follow lately: regional banks down about one percent. And then, as far as the dollar goes, it was down about 0.2. Even though yields were up about about three basis points across the whole curve, oil up 1.4 percent. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty wild. We're we're, uh, we're oil stocks right on the day. Let me look. I think I know the offshore stuff was not great. Because the hound was running. <laughs> the hound was doing work today. Let's see. XOP was up about a half a percent. XLE up 0.35. So, and refiners up 0.15. So, pretty flat. Okay. Up a little bit. I, I just always look for them to be negative. Yeah, especially on a day where the if oil's up big. I mean, X is down. Yeah, I mean you got to you got to sell. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the, everybody knows when oil starts going up a lot, that's when you got to get out of the oil producers, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what were you? What are you upset about? You got to get it. Yeah, I was mad. That's I was in uh, heating oil futures and and got scared out here recently in uh, heating oil and decided to go up three percent today because of course it did. Basically, diesel futures. Yeah. Well, that's a. <clears throat> don't worry, clients. He's talking about his PA. Yeah, his no, personal no, no. account here. That's future stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, we, if, you know, I think it's funny. Like if, if people saw some of the, if clients saw some of the stuff that we you do in PAs, personal accounts, <laughs> they would probably have a heart attack. Oh yeah. Just, but when we still manage risk, it's just, when you do this for a living, your tolerance for volatility is just so much larger, Exactly. especially in a squirrely market like this. But volatility is also a killer for income producing accounts. You know, that's the other reason why we try to keep volatility at a low, just because volatility eats you up when when account when an account's in distribution. Um, <clears throat> so, but the AI stuff is still running strong today. How did the, I know the hound was running. If you guys hear me call it the hound, sound hound. And again, guys, we had a client, um, we had a client email in that was freaking out that we bought it. Well, first of all, we, it's a very, very small position and we have already pulled off about a third of our underlying uh, capital that we put into it. So it's very small, but these are the kinds of things that we're doing. First of all, you bet them very small. So even if they go against you, they, it's not big enough to hurt. But the reason we do it is because you get into a market like this. And though that's exactly the kind of things that we've been talking about, about hedging tails, you know, um, you can take little small flyers on some of this stuff. And again, these are not trait guys. Again, if I didn't have full-time traders and full-time analysts, I wouldn't even be taking risks on this stuff. So I'm not advising that you do it. But when you get into a crazy environment like this, those are the things that can actually allow you to keep a more conservative portfolio and not just get, you know, not get driven into the dirt underperforming. Um, So that's kind of the, that's kind of the style. How did the rest of that AI basket do today? I mean, how did, how did ASML do? How did, uh. How did the rest of them do? You know, I see it kind of hard to call some of the stuff, I guess, AI, but AI slash chips slash data centers, yada, yada, yada. 
uh, most of it was up, but nothing, nothing too, too crazy. So a lot of the stuff I've been tracking that has gotten sort of violent lately to the upside, along with, you know, like really likes to run with NVIDIA. Most of that stuff was up one, 2% today. So nothing particularly aggressive, um, which I guess makes sense. I mean, Mag 7's down, uh, Q's down. So it wasn't the, the right environment for this stuff to like really catch on fire, but. So up a little bit for most of it. Okay. Well, one that one that's been interesting to me is Adobe. Um, folks have just kind of assumed they've they've they're losing losing the battle on some of the um, the graphic stuff. I think, and they've they've made a nice comeback from. They went down to hit their two hundred day, and an and a trend line, and just kind of it's it's ripped from like five thirty back to five sixty cents. Um, that's probably one that was 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 worth a look down there at least. You know, and that's something, that's another thing that people need to remember in this environment. Okay. Like, and it's, and, and I've said this before, but it's one of the most dangerous. It's also one of the most opportune aspects of an environment like this. <clears throat> and I'm not saying Adobe is that, but it reminds me when markets start behaving like this, there are great companies out there selling for ridiculous prices. And the reason they are is they're just being ignored, right? Because that's, here's the toughest part. The toughest part is being disciplined enough to take advantage of those opportunities, right? Even though you know that because they're grounded in reality and because they have value and because there's reality there in these weird times, it probably means they're going to underperform probably, right? Yeah. Because the world is looking for dream machines, like we've said, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, Warren Buffett kind of – uh, explained it well uh, at the the shareholder meeting. He was talking about how the the stock market's become a lot more casino like, and he said, "quote the the casino now resides in many homes and daily tempts the occupant." And that's yep, nailed it. Yep, and that's the toughest part about it. And that's one of the things that you know we try to do these tail hedging and stuff to make it a little bit because and I get where clients are coming from, but that's why people get wrecked as they sit there and they go, we didn't keep up this in the last six months and the market's up this. And and that's where everybody gets sucked in because you just have this belief. If the market went up a 10 and I'm up two, Oh, look, everything just guys, it goes away so much faster than it comes. And if you're making and just, it's tough because you see that every day you see, well, that's going up and it's, you know, Oh, it's real. It, and it just evaporates so much faster. And if you play that game, you're going to get run over. It's tough. It's where the discipline comes into this game, right? And if it were easy, everybody would be good at managing their own money. But you just have to know if you're doing – like I always go back to – and I, I know I said this last week, but I always go back to that Jeremy Grantham quote. right? If you're doing things right at the height of a bubble, you're probably going to lose 30% of your clients. Yeah, you, you almost should. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, like his old adage is, I'd rather lose 30% of my clients than 30% of their money. Yep. And I like, if you've got an account where your guy's all in there chasing, it feels good now. But boy, I, if I were you, I'd be worried about how you're going to pay your bills in a year, right? If you're close to retirement or that's, or that's something you're getting close to because it's just the classic siren song, right? Like it draws everybody in, the lure of easy money, right? And this sound hound is, is one that is a perfect example. Right. Like, again, it's very small, so I don't want to be anybody freaked out like we're doing. But it, should this thing be doing what it's doing? No, no, it's silly. Yeah, I mean, l literally no like real fundamental news or anything today. And it's up. It was up 45, 46 percent in a day. That's all you need to know. Yeah. So but that's that 
it was bought as a, as a right tail hedge and not as a fundamental long-term position yep. for a reason. That's right. That's right. Where where Where's the dollar index on a day like today? And Bitcoin, that was a big move in Bitcoin too. Yeah, uh, Bitcoin up substantially in, in a big breakout. It, it um, kind of consolidated for a couple of weeks and ripped above that. So n- notable move there. I think the ECB had some folks talking somewhat hawkish, which got the um, euro up. So dollar was dollars at 103.75 down about 0.1, but the euro was up 0.27. So um, that that's all you had there. I, 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 I still think the euro is probably in trouble. Um, it, it It's kind of clear to me, a lot of people just are viewing the macro data as like, oh, just give it a second and it's going to really start falling down. Um, and I think a lot of that's priced into the dollar. So if, if we see data in the U.S. kind of remain remain hot, and if the market's at all-time highs, it, it probably will, I think. Um, you're just going to have more opportunities for rates in the dollar to, to kind of keep moving higher. Okay, so what about – where are we at as far as news? Anything interesting coming out over the weekend or, or, or what do we got also – what are we looking at on economic news coming at us this week? Yeah, no, nothing, nothing like I think of news wise. Um, I did have one little thing from from Mike Green's Substack I wanted to to touch on that was that I found really interesting. But I'll pull up data first today. Pretty light data, really for the whole week. We're kind kind of slow. Tomorrow's probably the biggest day. Today was new home sales, which were not great, um, on, less than expected, at an annualized rate of like. 661k when we were expected to get 684 so not not awesome um the dallas fed manufacturing activity which i haven't dove into yet but that was better than expected uh tomorrow we'll get all the goods orders uh we'll get house home prices we'll get the richmond fed uh conference board has all of their data coming out mostly thought of as consumer confidence with some other good stuff in there um and the richmond fed and Dallas has their uh, services uh, PMI coming out, so pretty pretty big day tomorrow. And then we get GDP Wednesday. That'll also was obviously we'll have personal consumption um, and the the core PCE inflation number, which looks like to me that's a big deal. We already kind of know what it's going to be, but that's that three month, six month, monthly annualized. All that's ticking back up, and that is the inflation metric the the Fed cares about most. So that is going to push the Fed out at least, you know, probably into that June timeframe for for the first cut, unless things really erode between now and then. Um, Thursday, we'll get personal income, personal spending, jobless claims as always, and we'll get pending home sales, Kansas City manufacturing. So that's the big stuff we ha- we're kind of looking at rest of the week. So not a, not a. I guess I over oversold how how much how light the data week was. It's just none of that's the massively impactful stuff. Um, but if you don't mind, I'll, I'll hit on Mike Green's points about Nvidia. Yeah, let's do um, it. We'd love to hear. Yeah. It. So sixty nine companies on Earth have sales over one hundred and ten billion dollars, and that's that's where we're expecting Nvidia's sales growth to be from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty six. So. Pretty pretty shocking amount of growth in revenue, and one of the things that makes that particularly interesting is they're gonna they're expected to do that at double Apple's margins, and notably selling to businesses and not to end consumers. You know, mostly usually if you're selling that much stuff, it's it's just people. 
you know, not, not other businesses. Um, and something that really took me by surprise is just Microsoft, Meta, Google, and Amazon currently represent over 40% of the revenue. And that's expected to, to just keep moving higher and higher and higher until it hits like 70%, like at the end of the decade, which you extract, it's just really tough to extrapolate that stuff out and, and come to the conclusion that yes, that the insatiable demand for these chips will go completely uninterrupted by the, and it, and it will just all concentrate at, you know, essentially the mag seven companies. Yeah. And I, I'll just come out right now and say, it's not going to happen. And here's why it's not going to happen. You got the most moneyed rich companies in the history of the world, and they are not going to sit there and let one player dominate that space. It's just not going to happen. And they've got the wherewithal and the money to do that. But it, it, what, what, one thing that kind of stood out to me is the risk on that is, so obviously we have the concentration risk where we have pretty much unprecedented concentration in the top five, top 10 names. But then you realize that, you know, the, the biggest grower in that is also dependent on the other ones giving them basically all their revenue. Right. Not to mention they wholly depend on their, you know, single points of failure in their supply chain along the way to make make the whole thing work to begin with it's just it feels like a lot of spinning plates to keep in the air to keep to keep going with with the way they are well yeah and the assumptions that the market is making on that is just it's just crazy the extrapolation is just crazy like i can't tell you what and this is why i'll just keep going back to you're not going to hear me call a top it's just to me it's uninvestable yeah just you're out there so far that it's yeah to, I it's it sounds like a child story. And on, and I'll, I'll have to say, uh, if if you'd have given me the option to to vote on banning any discussion of Nvidia on the show for the rest of the time, I would have voted yes. But then I read that today, and I was like, this is just too interesting to not talk about. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is I just think that the, it's so important in real time because these things don't ha- they don't happen very often, right? Asset bubbles like this just do not happen all the time, and it's really important for investors to start recognizing the 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 way markers, right? The signs. And then the minute you recognize you're in that environment, you immediately know something or you should immediately know something for sure. If I am a rational, smart investor, I am giving up on the potential of outperforming this market. And my goal now goes from benefiting as much from it as I can without risking catastrophic loss. That becomes the game. Because the number one game in an asset bubble is to make sure you're solvent and prepared to buy through the wreckage. That's where all that, that's, the, that's the piece that everyone just always forgets. Yep. And, and honestly, I think I think most individuals don't don't play for that at all. And I think mo- I think most uh, most investors, professional investors, whether that's big institutions or hedge funds, folks like us, however you want to look at it, like most people don't have you know that shopping cart of like, hey, if this gets this cheap, I'll buy it, and and actually have the discipline and the dry power to do it. Um, and then you look at you know, speaking of Buffett and speaking of this, you know, this weekend, like that's, that's what they're doing. I mean, they have 147 billion and he, he even said like, I don't need to chase this stuff. Like you're getting paid plenty to wait right now. And like if someday we'll get some really good prices on stuff and we'll, and we'll put some money to work until then who cares? Yeah. And he just knows what we know, which is look, the, the, the big investment opportunity from a bubble is picking through the wreckage afterward. That's where all the big money gets made. 100%. And, and, and it doesn't look like that at sometimes. 
Because you're like, what do you mean? Look at all this big money. Go, listen, guys, the same thing that got them to that performance in a market like this is the same reason why they'll drop 80%. And we were talking about this with Kathy Wood a couple of years ago. And boom, perfect example, right? If, if you're creating, everybody goes, oh, look at those returns. They know better. And you go, no, no, no. They, they were a horse for a course, right? They just happened to hop on the right bus at the right time that suited their style. And then everybody extrapolates and makes the classic mistake of mis confusing brains with a bull market. My favorite was when, when Chamath uh, referred to himself in that letter as like basically the, the next Warren Buffett and made all the comparisons of his own returns to Buffett. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, and when you hear guys doing that, there's another sign, right? Yeah. <laughs> when a guy that, that, when a guy that pretty much, it was really funny because he really holds himself out like that. And when you hear him walk through a company on a fundamental basis, you sit there and go, oh yeah, you can write code, but you have no idea what you're doing when it comes to evaluating assets. But, you know, it, it, you made a killing I, on his backs. Yeah, you made it. You, 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 you make a gamble. It pays off. And all of a sudden you think that you're, uh, what was his name? What, what was he? Uh, Walt Brunson, Doyle Brunson. Oh, yeah, the poker player? Yeah, the, the old school poker player, right? Yeah. I don't even know if he's still alive anymore. I, I have read one of his poker books, actually. Oh, there really you go. Good. Yeah, yeah. They, they win a few hands and they think they're Doyle Brunson all of a sudden. <laughs> um, okay, so we don't really have anything else coming up this week. Pretty slow week on the on the economic data side of it. Yeah, nothing. It's plenty of data, but but not none of the crazy stuff. None of like no CPI or jobs or Fed or anything. So it's more bubble watching. Yep. Yeah, well, that's always fun. All righty, guys. Well, that's kind of a short one today. Uh, not much to it other than just watching the you know watching the craziness keep 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 being crazy. So uh, as always, we will see you tomorrow. You know, thanks again for joining us, and hopefully, you'll keep taking this journey with us and just memorializing this on a day to day basis. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.